This hour of the Bill Meyer Show podcast is made possible by Clouser Drilling. Clouser Drilling is proud to sponsor the show. We appreciate them, too. If you need to drill for water, be sure to call Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. ClouserDrilling.com. This is the Bill Meyer Show on KMED and KCMD. Southern Oregon's home for conservative talk. Call 770-5633. That's 770-KMED. Email Bill at BillMeyerShow.com. Once again, more with Bill Meyer. And good morning. And it's Find Your Phone Friday. And if you found yours, 770-5633, you can join in and talk to thousands of your friends here all over Southern Oregon. 1063, 1063, I make that 1067 rather. Uh, in uh, Jackson County, KMED, 99.3 KCMD in Grants Pass. Now, uh, KMED on 106.3, you can also hear that on HD. If you have an HD radio in your car, I guess it's a little bit higher fidelity or something. It's the digital feed of it, 106.3. That's why I say 106.3 and 106.3 HD1. It's like digital all on the same channel. Okay, that sort of thing. And 99.3 KCMD in Grants Pass and Joe County. We're going to be talking to uh, one of the people involved with the charter change that's going to be on the ballot in May. And uh, we're going to talk to Larry at uh, 7.35 or so after the outdoor report with Greg Roberts. That'll be at 7.10 this morning, as always, and we'll have a good conversation about where things are going. Talk of uh, some snow, really kind of a trace in the valley floor from what it figures, but if you're doing some traveling, it's uh, certainly going to be worth uh, hearing what uh, Mr. Outdoors has to say from roadweather.com. We'll have that. Also going to be a a big, big day on the D.C. Swamp Update, and Rick Manning will join me. It'll be the first one of uh, 2024. Gosh, I was just looking at, uh, speaking of some of the national news here, Department of Justice, this uh, reported in townhall.com today, uh, Department of Justice files a lawsuit against Texas over uh, the new law making legal immigration a state crime. Now, the Texas Governor Greg Abbott has said the state was left to fend for itself due to President Biden's deliberate inaction on border security. The thing is, I think what people are going to have to remember on this, I'm going to be curious to see. This, this is, as the, the gentleman said yesterday, uh, who uh, from uh, Numbers USA, we were talking about that somehow immigration and border security is like that one part of federal law that uh, the states are never supposed to have anything to say or get involved with, I guess, other than ignoring it like the state of Oregon does because of its uh, sanctuary uh, sanctuary state, sanctuary cities all over uh, the state, you know, the Portland especially, uh, one of the leading ones. Uh, it's, it's one thing to, uh, to ignore it, so I guess, uh, but if they were to try to enforce it, then you would be in trouble with the federal government, which is one of the most uh, odd things, because other than that, usually uh, ignoring federal law, they're happy to uh, send a SWAT team on you, especially if you were a January 6th person, right? You know, that kind of, well, you know, you, uh, you broke the covenant because you actually tried to actually get us to do what we're supposed to do. But anyway... Um, you know, do the states have a, a duty to just uh, lay down and be destroyed by uh, foreign invaders? I don't think so. I don't think anybody else would. Heck, even the founding documents of the current government, if you want to put it that, put it in scary air quotes, it is uh, there to defend us. It's right there in the Constitution that uh, one of their main duties is to ensure a Republican form of government, not Republican as in the Republican Party, Republican as in the definition of government. You're to be guaranteed a Republican form of government. These states are to be guaranteed a Republican form of government and also to be defended by from uh, from invasion. And, you know, what does it have to be, uh, you know, a military? Does it have to be military people coming in rather than just a whole bunch of military age young men? Uh, coming in that may have nefarious intent or, you know, we don't have to defend ourselves from foreign invasion from cartels because, well, they're not official military, you know, and it, and it would be racist, I guess, to uh, to stop them, that sort of thing. I mean, I don't blame Texas. Of course, I don't think Texas went far enough, but at least Texas is trying. And this is going to be an important deal. We'll have to talk with Rick about that and a whole bunch more. Also in uh, presidential politics, yeah, got uh, you know even more states that are getting involved with uh, trying to keep former President Trump off the ballot. We'll talk about that with Rick. All of this coming up in the D.C. Swamp Update. 
I do find it interesting. I was listening to Hugh Hewitt the the other morning, and he was uh, talking with uh, with so, and they were they were talking about. Um, oh, it was with Chris Christie. This is a Chris Chris Christie, and they're talking about. Well, Chris, why aren't you quitting the presidential race right now? Because if you were quitting the presidential race, Nikki Haley would be the uh, you know the one that'll probably end up winning in Maine. You know, the assumption being done that uh, or made that. All of uh, Chris Christie's supporters would automatically uh, go over to to Nikki Haley. It is fascinating how many people are bringing this up because you know why. Donald Trump may be the favorite of um, most people, a majority of people in the Republican Party, or at least certainly a majority of the uh, Republican primary voters. But Donald Trump is not a favorite of the donors. You know how Herman Baertschegger always talks about the way it is in the state of Oregon? Well, you know, what really matters is what do the donors want? And the donors don't care about citizens. The donors care about their clients. Remember when uh, when <laughs> when Herman was talking about that the other day? He being a former state senator, he knows, right? Yeah. Donors don't care about the state. Donors don't care about you necessarily. Donors are concerned about their clients, the lobbies, in other words, the donors, the lobbies, kind of like uh, one and the same. And apparently the donors in the national uh, version of Republican Party politics, the donors and the lobbies, as Herman would uh, turn them, they like Nikki Haley. Gee, I wonder why. Is it that Boeing, that Boeing sponsorship label uh, label on the back of her uh, pantsuit? I don't know. Does she wear pantsuits? I don't know. I, I don't pay that much attention. But I find that really interesting. It's like this is the re- God, we've got to stop. we got to stop Trump. we got to stop Trump even in the Republican Party because, you know, most dangerous person in the world. And, hey, I've had my issues with, um, with President Trump on many things. But it's like, come on. <laughs> you know, I, I'm the one that, uh, you know, really enjoyed what uh, Ron DeSantis has done down in uh, in Florida. But I'm also realistic enough to realize, hey, no one you can't get anybody in the Republican Party to uh, to play with uh, with Ron DeSantis at all. In fact, it almost uh, reminds me of that old story about, you know, the kid's so ugly that uh, you couldn't that no one would play with him even if you that the dog wouldn't even play with him uh, even if you tied a pork chop <laughs> around his neck. That's kind of Ron DeSantis. I mean, it's just the way it is. And so, okay. I'll still be proud to uh, vote for for Donald Trump, I always looked at Ron Santis, uh, Ron DeSantis rather, as uh, my backup if things went. I mean, if literally he was, uh, you know, convicted and thrown in jail, and then the real insurrection would probably start. Hmm, makes you wonder if that's kind of what they're hoping for. Hmm, could be. All right. So we'll have a lot on the uh, D.C. swamp update this morning, and uh, we'll be talking about the. Uh, the charter change. You know the charter change? I'm not real happy about this in Josephine County. And when Larry West uh, talks with me about it, maybe he'll assuage my fears. But uh, everything that I have seen about this uh, charter change, throwing out the old Josephine County charter change, is designed to uh, essentially get a whole bunch of part-time commissioners in there. And you get to vote for two instead of three. It doesn't change the relationship of uh, Josephine County to the state. Still an agency of the state first rather than the body politic, which needs to be uh, changed. Now, one person was writing me about that, and they said, hey, Bill, where's the Republican uh, version of that charter change or the ones that was talking about the body politic? Well, it's not coming right now. They don't want to put that on the ballot at the same time as this one is. It would end up being too confusing. All you have to do is look at how easy it was to stupidly pass Measure 110 in this state. Or Measure 113, for that matter, do their job. Of course, it would have helped that same Republican Party that's been most badly affected by it had put something in the voters' pamphlet for that. Hmm. So the Oregon Republican Party wouldn't do anything or say anything against Measure 113, which would tend to kill their best, most well-loved conservative state senators who had walked out, right, and denied quorum against the worst of the uh, Democrats' satanic overreach in that, in that last legislative session, right? But they're going to court, and they're going to battle for President Trump to be on the ballot. And I, I don't mind that, right, except that Donald Trump being on the ballot will probably have 
very little to do with whether Donald Trump wins the election this year. Because as much as I'd love to see him president again, Oregon is most likely because of the demographics of the state. Unless there is some just bizarre occurrence in which... uh, the satanic Dems, on in many cases, are going to decide to get off of, uh, you know, get off of voting for candidates that, uh, you know, want open borders and uh, want to defend other nations' borders <laughs> except uh, ours. And you want to have gender-affirming care everywhere and all these other kind of things. Uh, you know, I, I doubt they're going to flip and go for uh, President Trump one way or the other. So Oregon is most likely not going to be in play. Oregon hasn't been in play for the presidential election or making that decision for a Republican for a long, long, been 40-something years. It's a numbers. It's a math game. You know, that sort of thing. It's also why I've been saying concentrate on your local races, because you can win. Republicans can win in the uh, in the local races, and either somewhat semi-regional. But, uh, you know, statewide has been a tough, high lift for a long, long time. I think we know that. I'm not telling you anything uh, we don't know. But I do find it interesting that the Oregon Republican Party would not fight for the state senators that were doing the right thing. And that actually could have made a big difference in Measure 113, maybe educating the ignorant uh, Oregon voters, the ignoramuses that were uh, swayed by the stupid, yeah, if they're going to get paid, they need to go to work and do their job just like me. When denying quorum stops the evil people from having their way with their citizens. It's just like, oh, the ignorance that was shown on that measure, uh, 113 vote, just astounded me. <laughs> just never astounded me. The, the party wouldn't weigh in on that. But the party gets involved with the President Trump on the uh, ballot, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But that will ultimately have no effect on who's president. That's all I'm getting at. Just realistically, Oregon's electoral college votes will most likely go to a, well, I don't know. It'll most likely go to the Democrats, but Democrats uh, did sign on to that um, that interstate agreement in which whoever wins the, hey, you know, maybe that's different. Maybe it'll be different this year. Because didn't Oregon sign on to the, uh, to the whoever wins the popular vote ends up getting the electoral college votes? If there's some uh, question about that, huh? The way it's looking for President Trump at this point on a nationwide poll, yeah, that could actually work. So I'm so I'm okay with the ORP fighting for Trump, but yet it could or may not have anything uh, to do with it. But they wouldn't fight for the conservative state senators, the ones that were doing the right thing: Art Robinson, Senator Linthicum, you know, all of those people, the the ones that actually uh, it put it on the line when it mattered and when it counted. Just saying. All right. That's uh, 24 after 6. Happy to take your calls. We got a little bit of time before Rick gets in here. 770-5633 if you'd like to uh, squeeze something in or two. All right. This is the Bill Myers Show. The Road Gardener is sponsored by Grange Co-op. And if you want to go organic, hey, that's great. However, see, organic fertilizers are not ready to use by the plant. They have to be worked on by soil bacteria to break them down into a usable form. It has to be in contact with the soil. And better if it's a couple, you know, an inch or two down. Call the Road Gardener live Saturdays 10 to noon and catch the Sunday morning encore at 9 on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. Saving big on just the things I need. Oregon E-Deals has saved the Rogue Valley thousands of dollars over the years on things you buy and use often. Get a Papa Murphy's Pizza Certificate worth $18.50 for only $12. All Beauty Mark Salon Certificates are half off. Also save big on Diner 62, Malello's Coffee, and Freddy's Diner. This and much more available exclusively at OregonEdeals.com. I'm hooked on OregonEdeals.com. I'm saving big. Texting enrolls you in recurring automated marketing text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. <sighs> Leaving for the gym so early? I'm ready to go. Since you started taking Nugenics Total Tea, you've been acting like when we met in our 20s. I feel like myself again. Lower testosterone after turning 40 slowed me down. Nugenics Total Tea has been a game changer for me. What is it about Nugenics Total Tea that's different? Well, it's a patented key ingredient called Testofin. It boosts free and total testosterone to help you get back the drive and energy from your youth. It's backed by five clinical studies. I've seen the huge difference it's made for you in the gym.
gym, at work, and in the bedroom. I'm so glad I sent them a text for my complimentary bottle. Text all to 42424 right now for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics is the number one selling testosterone-boosting brand at GNC and Walmart. Do it now, and we'll also send you a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, our newest, most powerful fat burner ever, absolutely free. Text ALL to 42424. That's all to 42424. Products statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or illness. Hi, I'm Jolene from Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. Dan writes me this morning, Hey, Bill, have you been downtown lately? Speaking of downtown Medford, it's an excrement hole. And he's speaking about the, uh, the road diets and everything else that's going on in the coddling of bumdom. And uh, Dan says, Bill, Medford doesn't want to do anything to make their downtown inviting. They'd rather spend $80 million on the new ex-bum bath out on 238. My favorite taco truck doesn't even show up downtown anymore because the area is toxic. Oh, is that the case, huh? Well, appreciate you uh, writing about that, uh, Dan. Well, it's okay. You know, the Rogue X will have its, uh, its big promoters, and they're going to be all over this one. The bum bath uh, will be open. Big brand opening as of tomorrow, sold out, uh, from what I understand. And, you know, I lost this one. You know, I lost this one. I was arguing for, uh, for, the, for the longest time that what the area really needed and what the children that, that, that we're always talking about need is not a big aquatic center that everybody has to drive to the northwest town uh, side of town to. I mean, it does nothing. I mean, it's completely on the other side of town where I live over by a foothill road in Medford, miles of travel, you know, to do that. It's not centrally located. I'm sure it'll be popular in spite of that. But um, to me, I thought if you were really talking about helping kids learn how to swim and to keep them in the neighborhoods, making things walkable, neighborhood pools. Now, I know neighborhood pools are not attractive to the good old boy and good old girl networks, in the tourism industry in Southern Oregon. And that's why there was always this big push for the aquatic center because pools, even though they would be used and you could cover it with a dome or do something like that. It doesn't have to cost 60, 70, $80 million to do it every time. But, um, you know, I thought that that would have been useful, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't kiss the behind of the tourism industry. I think that's really what ended up driving Rogex. It's not in the right location. It's not centrally located. It's not on the way to anything unless you're driving out to uh, KTVL Television or Jacksonville. But, you know, I've lost my, uh, you know, I tried to tell people about that. And apparently uh, people were uh, just really excited about the uh, the shiny bobble. And, I, and it's a nice facility. It's a, not a bad facility. It's not that. I just don't think it's what... The neighborhoods really needed. You needed to have a southwest pool for the southwest kids. You needed a, a northwest center pool uh, for the kids that live in northwest Medford. You needed east side, good east side pool, good southeast side pool. Located in various places where the kids are so that it's a, it's a neighborhood facility. Rather than, oh, we got a big box that everyone's paying 60, 70 bucks a year a piece for, whether they go to it or not. And then you have to pay on top of that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. But, but this, is, this is what happens when you, um, when essentially the city is uh, going to work for the hotel motel industry rather than the people who actually live in the city. That's really what this is all about. It's about yeah, everything's about tourism, sustainable tourism. You know, that's the business model. You don't want to make anything of importance. So you're hoping that your uh, stupid money. Come here and look at the pot farms. <laughs> Whatever you're hoping that that's going to uh, to make up for actually accomplishing something useful, I guess. Anyway, I, I've talked about that. I talked about myself to death about that. All I'm going to say is that I've said this before. Kurt Ankerberg was right. He always was right, even though he has great difficulty getting along with people as a rule. But Kurt Ankerberg was absolutely right about the uh, the pool situation here in Southern Oregon. He always was. Because he, like I just mentioned, was about neighborhood pools. 6.30, let me go to the phones. Hi, who's this? Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. Hi, Tom. Hey, uh, What's on your mind? 
Well, you know, thinking about why the uh, Republican Party basically allowed uh, went along with the Democrats in terms of uh, banning the walkouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Republican Party, you know, uh, I think what they did here in Oregon, they flew up the flag and see which way the wind was blowing. And they say, you know, most people think that uh, uh, when we walk out, we're not doing our jobs. We just better lay low. I think that was their decision. Oh, I'm sure it was, because, you see, it's a lot easier just to say, "Ah, you know, I'm sorry, I have to be here. I have to be here to do my job. But, of course, all that job ends up doing is enabling, uh, you know, Team Satan you know, to have its way with the little kids yeah, and such, you know? I, I think the Republican Party, both statewide and uh, nationalwide, have been castrated a long time ago. Um, when you look at uh, the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto, you have a, a central bank, you have the IRS, and you have federalized education. And the Republican Party has just uh, has had over 100 years to uh, refute that. And they really have uh, – they're kind of like deer in the headlights. Now, you know, it's kind of like – well, it's sort of like uh, the Washington Generals, the team that uh, always uh, loses against the Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Generals. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. what the Republicans are, and uh, unfortunately, there is uh, no other real alternative to that at the moment. But point point well made, as always. Thank you for that. Boy, my phones are just uh, filled up. We'll uh, grab a few quick ones here. Hi, KMD KCMD. Good morning. All right, let me go to this one. Hi, KMD KCMD. Good morning. This is Minor Dave. Yeah, Dave. What's up? Uh, well, with the coming snow here at three thousand feet. Uh, they don't plow Agar Bizewick. It's a county road. So we'll be trapped in here when the snow comes. Well, I hope that the, the snow doesn't come too badly there for you. But once again, you got to get it. You know, it's either civil disobedience and you just uh, take the you well, make just open uh, the gate. Uh, I was talking. Or, and I'm not advocating that. I'm just like saying these are your choices. You're either going to have your well, long what trip. What we need to do is organize a protest at the sheriff's department in uh, Wairika, uh and the county commission, uh, county supervisors. And, uh, well, we need to organize that where we could get at least 100 people to show up. And there's your marching orders, and that's what you need to do. All right, thanks for the call. Let me go to line uh, four. Hi, KMED, KCMD. Morning, Bill. Bob Shandon, Medford. How Bob, are you this morning? Doing fine, thank you. Good. Uh, I attended uh, Medford City Council meeting last night, and I've got one really good recommendation. What's that? And that is, instead of handing out the 3D glasses, they should have handed out the rose-colored glasses. The rose-colored. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Glad yeah. to hear. Uh, can you <laughs> okay. give me? Can you give me a quick take on it, or do you want, want to call back a little bit later, like uh, after eight o'clock? I got open phones then. If you wanted to okay. dig in. Well, it's Friday. I'm babysitting my grandson, mm-hmm. and so I have to watch you on. Uh, on Facebook later on, so okay. I won't be actively engaged at that time. But just recommend people, you know, in between the national news and all that, the uh, uh, city council meeting is on tape. It lasted about an hour and 35 minutes. Okay, so. what section should I tune in? Because there's a lot of BS that gets to, until they get to the juicy stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, I would say the first half hour would be pretty good. All right, we'll do. We'll talk Monday Thanks, then, okay? Thank all you. Right, man. Bye-bye. Sure, John. I'm sure that uh, Bob's going to be over at the uh, Rogue X uh, grand opening, too. Hi, KMED, KCMD. Good morning. Who's this? This is Linda Marie, uh, Queen of Ashland. Hello, Linda Marie. What's up in your mind? Well, um, uh, 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 106.7 has been off the air since uh, last night. Really? Really, yeah. I have to tune... I I had to tune into uh, 106.3 this morning, and Okay. It's fuzzy, but I can hear it. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll I'll go to work on that. Uh, normally, I'm uh, alarmed when that comes in, or I get an alarm when that comes in. I normally check every signal that we have in the valley on the way in. I didn't listen to 106.7 this way on the way in. But thanks yes. for the thanks for the update. We'll get on that. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. It's uh, 6:35. KMD. KCMD. The promise I made to my grandmother 20 years ago to create a place that feels like home, with great food and caring people and a really nice yard, continues today in Medford. The Springs Living was a dream that was created for my family, and we're still here today to make life just a little bit easier for yours. The Springs at Anna Maria in Medford. Call 541-774-1822. 
good. Artisan Bakery Cafe new owners McKay and Jamie and their two sons invite you to come enjoy unique European-style pastries made fresh daily in South Medford for over 18 years. Baked goods the way they ought to be, delicious and out-of-this-world satisfying. One memorable bite after another will leave you wanting more. From cupcakes to almond bear claws, rich butter horns, fruit-filled scones, cupcakes, beignets, and more. 1325 Center Drive next to South Fred Meyer, 245-3500. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. Good morning, I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 morning news update. An Eagle Point man is back on the street after being arrested for the kidnapping and sexual assault of a 12-year-old girl. Fresno Police Department says 51-year-old James Ellis made plans to meet up with a minor after they began chatting on a social media app. According to police, Ellis took the victim from her home to a parking lot where he sexually assaulted her. A family member of the victim was able to locate Ellis's vehicle by tracking the victim's cell phone, but Ellis fled with her in his truck. He later dropped her off at a gas station. Ellis was arrested but made bail a short time later. He faces several charges, including kidnapping and intent to commit sex acts. And Medford Police Department is still looking for help in locating the driver involved in a New Year's Eve hit and run. Earlier this week, we told you that MPD is searching for a silver 2016 to 2022 Chevy Malibu with a damaged passenger side mirror in relation to the hit and run. It happened on West 10th and South Grape Streets downtown on New Year's Eve. The sister of the victim told us he is still in the hospital in critical condition, and if you know anything, please call MPD. And this Saturday at noon, the brand new Rogue X Complex will be opening its doors to the public for the first time. You can already purchase passes, sign up for classes, or even book the space for events on their website. And that was a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. Got a mess with the IRS or a tax date with the state? You may need representation. Visit FirstResponseIRS.com. First Response Resolution, your local tax resolution experts in Eagle Point, defending your rights as a taxpayer. Visit FirstResponseIRS.com. Winter in Oregon. It means rain. Waterlogged soil expands as it saturates, and that pressure can impact your home's foundation, sometimes even allowing the rain to get into your home. Terra Firma Foundation Systems can help. We've got your back. Terra Firma is the Northwest solution for safer foundations and dry basements and crawl spaces. One easy call can protect your home this winter. Click GoTerraFirma.com. Schedule a free evaluation. CCB 173547. That's GoTerraFirma.com. USA News Update. North Korea helping supply the Russians with ballistic missiles as that country ramps up its war against Ukraine. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that Russia launched multiple North Korean ballistic missiles into Ukraine, including as part of its overnight aerial attack. In response, the U.S. is rolling out additional sanctions against entities facilitating the arms transfers. Kirby also called on Congress to provide funding to Ukraine. An American and his two daughters among those dead in a plane crash that happened in the Caribbean this week. According to investigators in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, a single-engine plane left around noon Thursday on a flight to St. Lucia and quickly began experiencing difficulties. It was only moments after takeoff before the plane was careening into the ocean. The Americans have been identified as 51-year-old Christian Klepser and his two daughters, ages 10 and 12. I'm Ryan Daniels, USA News. Attention small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You could recover up to $26,000 per employee today. And all you have to do is make one short 10-minute call to take your business up a notch or bounce back from these difficult couple of years. Omega Accounting Solutions can help you recover any payroll tax overpayments you made during the pandemic. You may even be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute ERC consultation to determine if you qualify. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. They know their stuff so well that CPAs and payroll companies even turn to Omega for ERC tax guidance. Call 800-300-9ERC. That's 800-300-9ERC. 1-800-300-9ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredit.com. Welcome back to The Bill Myers Show. 
106.3 KMET, 99.3 KCMD. This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on lights because I don't want to see. Delighted to have him back here, and that is Rick Manning. Or he is, I should say, not that. He is a he. Of course, I don't know. Is that your program? I got your pronoun. I guess there are some people that say that, and uh, you know that they have different program uh, pronouns. Okay, simple man, simple needs. Yeah, you're Born just a he, he. Stay he. All right. I, I it's a um, so. I, I had a. I didn't tell you this before, but uh, uh, middle of December last year, I had a doctor that I interviewed, and it's. Uh, by the way, it's not from AAPS, folks. It was another doctor I talked to, and everything I got from the uh, the person that was uh, promoting what they were doing at the, at the company he was working for was talking about him being them and they, them and they, and this is a medical nice. doctor I'm talking to, right? Well, I called him him when he was on anyway, all right, because I I right. just couldn't go there. And, no. <laughs> and the other thing, and if I was going to call someone a them or a they, I just want to say, okay, how many of you are in there right now? We used to call you multiple personality disorders, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Okay, uh, Sybil. <laughs> I just call them Sybil. That's what I'd call them. You know, thank you, Sybil, or Three Faces of Eve. Eve yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, you got to love that. All right. Wow, what a uh, a week in the swamp here! And I just have to ask you: uh, the battle on the uh, border at this point. Are the Republicans about to get really serious and using the leverage of the purse finally to leverage some change in border policy, other than hey, let's give more money to Joe Biden so that he can hire more border agents to process uh, illegal immigrants to just come in and then just uh, distribute them all around the country and let the invasion continue. What do you think about that? How's that looking at the moment? Well, I think Speaker Johnson is certainly setting it up that way. It's a, you know, the people who he had down on the border um, earlier this week were not your usual suspects who are all border hawks and, you know, know what's going on. Um, he took, from all accounts, the most 60 most uh, liberal slash moderate members who are in districts that are suburban districts and um, would be most inclined to try to, to bail on a, on a fight and took them and had it laid out for them. And it, and in a, you know, really in a, in a lobbying effort, to make to try to get himself to where he has 217, 216 votes, whatever the number is now, with the three Republicans who are not going to be in Congress uh, in the House uh, as a result of resignations or, in Santos's case, being thrown out. Um, and so I think he needs 217 uh, to win something and to, and to hold on to something. And he's only got 219. Uh, Republican votes. And it doesn't take too many Republicans to go squishy to have things go sideways on this kind of right. a big battle, right? And, and Exactly right. And on the Senate side, you have um, Tom Tillis, who is a moderate Republican from, um, from North Carolina, attempting to negotiate or negotiating uh, on the border with the Democrats. And the Democrats are are essentially the creators of the crisis are say, are acting like, well, this isn't any crisis. This is, you know, we're just talking about border policy now. And so they're, you know, they've got the normal stuff they're asking for, including amnesty and everything else. And we'll see if, uh, if there are 41 Republicans who will tell the Democrats in the Senate that, you know, we're not going to we're not going to give you amnesty. Mm-hmm. You created a crisis. You've a lot of invasion or a border that will take a generation to clean up. We have, by many estimates, so nobody uses this number, but I'm going to use it because I think it's an accurate number. Mm-hmm. At the end of the Trump administration, the number of number of illegal aliens in our country was about 22 million. It wasn't the 13 that they were talking about. It's 22 million. That's what that's what the Trump administration just came up with um, when they had control of all the official channels. Okay, so 22 million. That's before Biden has eight over eight million encounters at the border, most of whom were given amnesty and sent and sent into the country, and two million gotaways that have that the uh, border patrol knows about. 
that they didn't get. And that's not counting the people the Border Patrol doesn't know about that got in the country because of tunnels and other things that we've seen in Israel. Um, you know, we've got them here, way. too. We got them here, too. Yeah, well, yeah. the cartel, the cartels have more money and the same the same construction crews. OK, so if you don't think they've got tunnels coming into America where they're running everything through them, uh, you're you're sadly mistaken. So I think it's reasonable to say there's 30 million illegal aliens in the country. I think that is a, a reasonable, actually a reasonable number. I think it's even more than that. I'd go more like 35 to 40 if, if you were well, to really count it all. But it's going to be really difficult to, uh, at thir- to nail at that 30, down. You've got, at 30, you've got about 9% of the population mm-hmm. of our total population is illegal. Yeah. There's a, t- there's a tipping point where you no longer have a capacity to govern. And we're rapidly reaching that tipping point. And that is the um, and that's the intent. That's the anarchical at- attempt that's being uh, foisted upon us. And yeah, I think Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, understands that. I think this is the line he's drawing in the sand. I know he's made a number of statements to that effect, and I have every reason to believe it's true because, quite honestly, he he walks around with a guillotine behind him every single day. In terms of the in terms of the ability of two or three Republicans to say, well, we want to vacate the chair, and suddenly you know you don't have a speaker again, and we spend two months trying to figure that out. Boy, uh, vacate the chair. I hope nobody says that. So, uh, in spite of uh, my disagreements with uh, many Republicans, it you know from time to time, boy, we don't want to go into that excrement show again right now. That's just not it's, that's going nowhere. Well, if you want to throw away the the next year, if you want, to, <clears throat> you know, and. If people just want to understand the importance of having the speakership, having actual control, two two university presidents, from the, one from the University of Pennsylvania, one from Harvard, no longer employed by the universities because they came and they came and talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the policies on their campus as it relates to Jewish students came and talked to Congress about that. They would never have had to talk to Congress if a Republican chair hadn't had a hearing. Two, and it sends, that sends a message to academics across the country that they better start getting their stuff together. And it's a, it's a nobody thought you were going to take down the, the Harvard president who was um, only in office for six months was, was and, and especially ticked ticked off all the boxes, right? In, in the DEI fraud, right? Right. And so it's a there was no expectation you were going to take her down. Well, guess what? She's not the, she's not the president anymore of Harvard. Harvard ha- has had to backtrack. You've had, and the thing that's happened is because of their unwillingness to denounce hatred against Jews. There are people who have been traditional liberal supporters who have been strong financiers of various universities who are now contacting and saying, you know, you either straighten this up or we're pulling the money. And ultimately, we can chant and parade around all we want. But when people start saying we're pulling your money, they people who run things, run nonprofits start start questioning in other words, it it focuses right it focuses the mind quite quickly. It does okay, focus all right. The mind. You know the thing is, uh, you know, speaking you know, hatred of the Jew, bad thing. All right. Here's the other thing, though. Why can't the Republicans do the same thing then when it comes to hatred of whites? Because frankly, DEI is ultimately hatred of whites. Because the many of the people who are offended on the Jewish front because of knowing what happened with the Holocaust and the and and that don't have you know if they're liberals, they essentially agree with the concept of uh, the overall concept of affirmative action. They, but they agree with hatred of whites. That's essentially what that is the core of much of what drives our university systems everywhere. It's not, hatred of the white. Not going to disagree and it's a um, but what's being challenged now, and you have to challenge it where you can, where mm-hmm. you can actually win. And what's being challenged now is the notion that the so-called oppressed can do whatever they want to, just anybody who they find as an oppressor. 
And but, and you see, and that's what drove, and that's what drove the Jewish thing, though, because as far as in the in the oppressor oppressed ideology of uh, of DEI or woke, if you want to call it woke, you know that sort of thing. I think woke's probably right. a better nickname overall. Uh, is that um, it's not about whether you're right or wrong; it's whether you are the oppressor or the oppressed. Okay, and, and that and that's all and that's all it is. And the way it was and the way it's defined within the university system is that Israel holds the cards there for the most part and is oppressing the Palestinians. And the, and in some cases, yeah, yeah, they are trying to hold them back because pal- a lot of Palestinians want to kill them too. So you know, this is well, what happens know, in the, the world. You know? you know, that's the old that's the the thing that. Uh, they don't want to admit that they that they are buying into, but they mm-hmm. effectively bought into entirely with the uh, support for the Palestinians. Is the idea that there that Israel does not have a right to exist? Mm-hmm. That Israel is a settler state and a recent settler state, nothing more than European colonizers, and as a result, um, they you know driving out indigenous peoples, and they're preying on the people who we've managed to send into these places of higher education who don't have basic education about the three great religions in the world, as they call them, Judaism, yeah, Christianity, agree. and Islam. I agree. But you see, they take, they that, they take that same ideology for USA hate, too, to hate the country. Oh, of course you do. Same thing. It's the do. exact same thing. And, uh, and yet, uh, when it comes right down to it, in the, uh, in the real world here— uh, you have land and you have territory you control as long as you have the ability and the arms to control it. it uh, nothing is self-enforcing, and that includes your territory where we live. And hence, and hence, going full circle back to the the border the invasion. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a you know, there's something, and in, in most people don't know about this, and I don't know if you've talked about it at all on your show at all, but it's. There was a movement that was really started rising back when I was in, in, in California, the La Raza movement. Yep. And it was, you know, came it was in the '60s, and it's really Marxist '60s movement. And the whole idea is, was to retake California, retake Arizona, retake New Mexico, retake Nevada, retake Texas. Um, and they have largely been successful via demographic replacement. And that is, but that is, that has been the plan. Um, California actually elected about a decade ago a lieutenant governor who was an advocate of La Raza. And as a result, and La Raza means the race. For, uh, that's, and so it is by nature racist in that the, you know, the culture of uh, coming out of Mexico is defining itself as an independent race that is um, that must come to must come to primacy and a restoration of the former glory, which quite honestly never existed. But it's a but that is the that's the plan. That's what's laid out. That's what they've been advocating for fifty years. And an open border is the is the highway that they're using. Mm-hmm. To establish that, because as you said, if you don't have the resources to defend your territory, it's no longer your territory. And I will tell you right now, if you're going into a place in, let's say, L.A. County, and it is uh, Spanish-speaking, doesn't speak English, you know, you have uh, – there's no attempt at assimilation, and you put – Millions of people into a into an environment where they might they could be in Mexico City or or L.A. and it doesn't make any difference. You don't control that territory. It's almost a soft secession in the making, isn't it? Well, it is. That's exactly what it is. And the only reason that the left doesn't want them to secede is because they'll never win another presidential. But that's a different problem. Yeah. All right. Now, now this takes me then. To, I just know this. I okay. just know this one simple thing. Mm-hmm. When the U.S plays Mexico in the Coliseum in soccer it is a way an away game for the US team. When in other words when they're playing here in the United States. When in the in the Coliseum, the LA yeah. Coliseum. In, oh the LA Coliseum. Oh the US team's an away team. Oh got it. Yeah. It tells you a lot about uh, about what is going on here, but uh, some would have called you a conspiracy theorist just uh, 10 years ago. 
on something like that. But we've been talking about La Raza off and on for years about this. The Reconquista, the Reconquista movement. The Reconquista movement. Now, this takes us then to uh, the, uh, I think this is a battle to watch. And I, uh, I'm talking about the Texas governor, the Texas uh, legislature that, uh, that wrote a bill. I don't think it's particularly, uh, particularly, uh, particularly strong, okay? But be that as it may, they're saying that, hey, they're going to begin to enforce some modicum of, of border security. And of all the federal laws that are out there, border security seems to be the one thing you're not allowed as a state to get involved with, other than ignoring it, like the state of Oregon and California and a lot of Texas does, let's say. Uh, do, you, do you think that uh, there's a chance that Texas prevails on something like this? Like, do you have a duty? I mean, it's right there in the Constitution, Rick, right in the Constitution that the United States government is there to guarantee a Republican, small r, Republican form of government and to defend states from invasion. Well, if they're not going to defend Texas from an invasion, who is? Well, the the challenge from a... I don't know what happened to the Supreme Court. I know that there, that Arizona attempted to, about 10 and 15 years ago, um, attempted, they passed a law which said essentially if the federal government's not going to enforce the, the border laws, we are. Mm-hmm. And merely in terms of enforcing the criminal people who are there in violation of, of our, you know, immigration uh, policies, and so illegals. And the state of Arizona said, we're going to deport people. Mm-hmm. And the people who were there coming across, of course, were people who were there encountering, encountering through the um, jail system, through the through the criminal justice system, and they were deporting them. And the Supreme Court held that this, Arizona doesn't have, didn't have the right to deport people, that that was a federal, that was a federal um, duty, not a state duty. Yeah, they struck down the, the law. Now, that was you know, 12, 15 years ago. We've got a different court now. We've got a different circumstance now. Yeah. But that's a – but so I don't know how, how – if it works its way through the courts, then in seven years what the Supreme Court will hold. Um, and I don't know if the state of Texas is going to be willing to say when a, when a district court says we don't agree with you or a circuit court says we don't agree with you. Um, if they're going to be willing to say, well, we're going to continue doing it anyway, too bad. Yeah, well, we have a Second Amendment right here, which has even been uh, upheld and strengthened with the uh, Bruin decision and various other ones. Was it the Bruin the decision? The state, state doesn't seem to care. Yeah, exactly. And the states are ignoring it and continuing to attack the people mm-hmm. on these uh, sort mm-hmm. of things. So it goes in that direction. Mm-hmm. So if they, can, if, they, if they can ignore the uh, Second Amendment rulings from the court then... And uh, and they don't think that uh, states can defend themselves from invasion. Aren't in essence? Right. Wouldn't the court then be approving in essence anarchy as long as the anarchy is uh, is done by whoever the uh, idiot is in the White House? Right. As long as it's federal government sanctioned, anarchy is fine. Yeah. Um, Texas, <laughs> on a legal, on a simple legal point, Texas has a different case to make than Arizona did. Yeah. And that when Texas came into the union, they had their own constitution already. And when states enter the union, they present a constitution for approval. And Texas has some very specific capacity to defend their own border, um, given how they came about and came into being. And that's built into their state constitution that was approved and approved by Congress as part of their being allowed to enter the union. Hence, and that constitution was not changed after the Civil War. Because Congress never recognized that they left the union. This was the deal that was cut to have Texas come in. In other words, if there's any state that could really secede and get away with it, also given that its size and political power, Texas could probably do it, could pull it off. Texas also has, under the state constitution, the capacity to break into five states if they want to. Mm-hmm. So there's a so there's a lot of aspects to this that um, that are unique to Texas because of the way they came into the union. Um, as an independent country that joined the union and they had negotiating power. So it was a, um, and of course they wanted to, but it was a, you know, there was, they they had a unique circumstance. So that's something the courts are going to have to deal with as well, because they may say to Arizona, you can't do it because your state constitution doesn't provide, doesn't provide these, these additional capacities, whereas Texas does. That's, that's something the courts will have to decide, but the fact of the matter is, um, the state of Texas bears the brunt of the of the invasion, and they are rightfully 
um, finally attempting to staunch it. Um, we were urging Rick Perry to do that back when he was governor of Texas many, many years ago before he went before the Trump administration. So this is um, a positive step forward. But it's been 10 years in the making to build the political will yeah. on the Republican side to be able to do that. And, and they're seeing that being exercised right now um, with a Republican state house, by the way, that the speaker in the House is a coalition speaker um, with, who is a combination of some Republicans and Democrats. Hmm. So he isn't, a, he isn't a Republican speaker. He's a coalition speaker. And so is much more beholden to the left for his power than, uh, than you might expect. But still, so, yeah, that's the political situation yeah. in Texas. Well, let us hoping that Republicans. Okay, let us hope that Republicans are going to pull away from the, uh, as uh, I've jokingly referred to the Republican Party uh, quite often as the Washington Generals. They always show up to be beaten by the uh, to a pulp by the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> you know. I can't hear- yeah, I can't guarantee you victory. What I can guarantee you is they're going to fight. A, a real okay? fight. In other words, we want to see a real fight on this one, and it's and that's been teed up right now. We know that much, right? I think yes. And the the question that I think the question is, do you have the the ideal place to have the fight is on on Ukraine funding because Joe Biden actually wants the Ukraine funding, and that is the ideal place to have the fight. Um, and, you know, with that, there's trade-offs, and the trade-offs is Ukraine gets funded. All right. Well, hey, if you have to flush some more money down that uh, Ukrainian rat hole in order to defend the country, I suppose, it might be worth it for this time being. It would be worth exactly, it. Okay? Exactly right. Remember, one last thing on it. Mahorkas, the, the Homeland Security Secretary, um, was asked if the House, if the House sends you – if the Congress sends you uh, money for the border – um, which prohibits the use of it for um, for processing people, additional people, um, is, is that acceptable? And he said no. He he wants he wants the he wants the border security money to be used to process to process people, not to actually deport and and send people home. So a serious impeachment effort here is really going to be happening to him, then, in your opinion, Rick. No, I didn't think so. Okay, All right. okay, no, but that's a but that's a different story. I think that what we have to be able to get done here is we have to be able to force the Biden administration to enforce the law at the border, and recognizing full well that they are likely to do a as poor a job as they think they can legally get away with, mm-hmm. and but. You know, the Congress has to act and has to force their hand as much as they can with an executive branch. And then, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, they then have standing to say to the court, go to the court with an emergency and say the president isn't doing what he's supposed to do. At which point the court will say, well, then you can impeach him. All right. That's the in other words, you have to faithfully execute the laws. Okay. Yeah. So so Biden, ultimately, the game gets played down to the Biden impeachment. And whether or not it's part of the charges against Biden is he's failed to faithfully execute the laws versus just being um, about the fact that he has um, a lot of uh, financial ties to people who don't like us very much. All right. Very good. Rick, good talk as always. Great spirited talk to start off 2024. Rick Manning, president of Americans for Limited Government, DailyTorch.com. And I got to tell you. Robert Romano's uh, article up there on 2024 will test the longevity of the civil society is uh, a prescient uh, a piece up there today and, uh, and, and worth taking a look at along with everything else on the site, too. I just thought I would just uh, note that before we take off. OK, well, very good. Thank you very much. And uh, we will talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Rick.